I mean, to be fair, I think everyone would be happier with chickens, surely. We could trade chickens for world peace. <laughs> How much are we going to trade them for? A buck. Bucka! <laughs> no, we trade them for a cock. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't put that in the episode. <laughs> Jackie, Jizz, you get out of here. Yay, motherfucker. No swearing on this show, come on. Mother trucker. Thank you. <laughs> this is a family-friendly show, after all. Hello, sister, I'll ask a lot. And I, with my clever disguise, you probably didn't recognize me, I'm Sister Babushka. This is complete and utter nonsense. The show where we pour a piping hot cup of tea. And we utter whatever nonsense pops into our heads. This is basically a laid-back chat amongst friends. And we release a brand new episode once a month, every month, on the first of the month. And we do random videos every other week as well. (laughs) (laughs) This month, in our little old convent house of Edinburgh, we usually have the International Film Festival on our doorstep. And so we thought it would be the perfect time to explore a very important question. Does LGBTQ plus representation in media even matter? For many in the LGBTQ plus community, representation in media is an important issue. But why is that? And does it really make a difference? Let's find out. (laughs) So I'm going to say yes, it matters a lot. Media has the power to shape our perceptions of the world and the people in it. And for the LGBTQ plus community, Representation in media can have a profound impact on our lives. That's right. Representation has the power to change the way people view the queer community. And when wider society sees queer characters and storylines on TV and in films, it helps to normalise our existence and reduce the stigma and discrimination that many of us face. And representation can also provide people with a sense of validation and belonging. When we see aspects of ourselves reflected in the media we consume, it helps us to feel seen and heard. It tells us that our stories matter and that we're not alone in our journey. And this, of course, has a massively positive impact on mental health. In fact, there are several studies that have definitively shown that seeing positive representations of LGBTQ plus characters in media can help reduce depression and anxiety in queer people. And it is fair to say that this works in the opposite direction as well, unfortunately, where when we do see negative portrayals of our community in whatever media it is that the masses are consuming, that also does have an impact on how wider society sees our community and can also negatively influence people, which is why it is important that all representation is in a positive light. I think that's really true, actually. And It's one of the reasons that people are so outspoken about people who publicly speak against members of the queer community or just the queer community in general, because it does have a very real impact on people's lives um, and a very harmful impact. Just going to name drop J.K. Rowling. (laughs) That turfy fuck. (laughs) Hashtag trolling, 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 rolling. I don't know. Oh, my 
God. Bio's my piss, she does. Bio's <laughs> me piss. <laughs> but wait, isn't it all just a story and it doesn't really matter anyway? You're right. What about the arguments that representation media doesn't matter because it's just fiction? We hear that all the time. So much. <laughs> it's a common argument, but it's not necessarily true. Fictional stories and characters can have profound impacts on us as we absorb the narrative that's being presented to us. And this, in turn, can then also change our perceptions and attitudes towards different groups of people that are being presented. When we see positive representations of LGBTQ plus characters and stories, it can help create a more accepting and inclusive society. And honestly, it's something that's really needed. <laughs> and for some reason, we seem to be going in the opposite direction. <laughs> it's the fact that people will use the argument of it's just fiction, it's just a story. But then on the other hand, to try and repress LGBTQ plus media, they'll say, oh, well, we shouldn't be showing our kids that kind of media yet. Therefore, defeating their own argument in a sense that actually it does matter with representation, doesn't it? And it's not just a story after all. They get very upset about having like, you know, a romantic couple that's same sex. And they're like, well, why does it even matter? It's just a story. But then every other couple is heterosexual and the kids are watching that. Like, what's the problem? It's the same thing. <laughs> and if it doesn't matter, why would it matter to you that there's a queer couple in it? Hmm? <laughs> yes, it, it really does either speak of bigotry or just sheer ignorance of somebody's own privilege that they can't recognize that their perceptions and their journey throughout life has been perfectly presented 500 different times. But for that LGBTQ plus child that's just growing up, they're seeing nothing. And to give them that something, I mean, it doesn't take away from the 499 other pieces of heteronormative media, it, but it can be a lifeline to that one child growing up and helping them feel less alone. It's the same for any number of minorities, really, is just well, everything has to be about you. <laughs> you know, sometimes we should include representation for lots of different parts of society because it matters to them. Media should be inclusive. <laughs> you mean society isn't all one homogenous block that's been presented to me throughout media for ages? What? I know, right? It's not all white teenagers who live in massive mansions. Who'd have thunk it? Now I feel less bad about my own abode in the shack in the garden. <laughs> you ever notice how almost every TV house is like far bigger than it would be for that family? Like no way in real life would, would those people with those jobs live in that house. Oh. It's not happening. <laughs> I saw a really funny one. Um, it was a meme the other day and it was adult Americans playing teenagers versus adult British um, actors playing teenagers and like how the Americans always look polished and all that and they're so detached from what it's like to be a teenager and adults playing British teenagers are always dishevelled and chaotic and it's like they remember what it's like to be a teenager <laughs> <laughs> It's like when you look at Greece now, like looking back and you look at all the teenagers and they're all like middle aged or whatever but some of them look older than I feel now and this is like decades later <laughs> Well, that's it, isn't it? I mean, the media is literally all just that. It's just a construct for you to view a story. Half of it is always detached from reality to begin with. Anyway. <laughs> mm -hmm. Of course, we have referenced TV specifically, but actually this applies to a whole range of different media. 
Yes. Media, of course, includes more than TV and film. Let's not forget about representations in books, in podcasts that we listen to, in audio dramas, in comic books that we read, you know, in huge amounts of things that we consume that we don't even necessarily think about when we're consuming it. LGBTQ plus representation in literature can be especially powerful because it allows us to actually see ourselves in the stories as we read and connect with the characters who experience similar struggles and triumphs to what we may do in our real lives. Exactly. And representation in media can also create more empathy and understanding for LGBTQ plus community members among non-LGBTQ plus people when they are consuming these stories and empathise with those characters. You're right. That's a really important point. And when people see these queer characters and storylines on screen or in other forms of media, it can help to break down stereotypes as well as misconceptions. And it can help create a more accepting and inclusive society as a result. And I think it's been really interesting when you think back on types of queer media that have been presented throughout the years, how often that will make headlines in sensational tabloids. Sometimes... Not so great. Uh, so when EastEnders, a uh, British sort of soap drama that has been going on for ages now, when they had their first gay kiss on screen, I remember that, I don't remember per se, I don't think I paid attention, but at the time there was a lot of drama in the tabloids about calling it EastEnders and making it out like it was such a terrible thing that we were allowing our community to be shown on screen. I think actually for many parts of society, when they see queer representations or representation of any minority on screen, it can often be like their first exposure to it. You know, they they live in a society surrounded by people who are like them. And so it's something that's very new. And having that representation be positive is actually really important. So they don't see these minorities as, as other they understand that actually we're all just human and we have a shared human experience. Yes. And I think it comes back to that point sometimes that queer representation in media can be a lifeline for those that are maybe based more rurally rather than being city-based, just from the sheer happenstance that in a more rural setting, you're less likely to meet other people of a diverse background compared to the city where it can sometimes be an ethnic melting pot of various different aspects of human life. And you can have that exposure in day-to-day interactions, while queer media could be that sole exposure, as you've mentioned, to that one person and helping them really feel, you know, that they're not alone, that there is something out there, that they, they, they're not processing whatever they're feeling alone, that they are represented, that there is a community out there for them, even if it's not directly with them at that time. And of course, we have to remember in the UK, there was at one time legislation that meant that a lot of young people who were growing up didn't have any exposure. It wasn't spoken about that that queer communities were even a thing. And so seeing something in the media or reading about it or hearing it um, was about the only exposure you were going to get. And actually that made it really important. And at this point, Babushka would like to remind everyone, fuck the Conservatives, fuck Margaret Thatcher and fuck Section 28 for all the damage it's done in hiding our community from all those that were growing up feeling lost, afraid, alone and shunned. Fuck you, Tories! And we would like to extend our commiserations to people in America who are currently 
going through a similar set of rules being put in place. We feel your pain. We've lived the pain. <laughs> I was at uh, I was at the drag show for Cheddar Gorgeous yesterday. Um, and one of the drag acts actually did a piece on Section 28 and everything. So it was like, oh my God, I'm going to cry in the club. Very emotional. So very riled up. I would be very interested to hear about a particular piece of queer media that you felt had a profound impact on you and how it affected you. Oh, Babushka does love telling a good way story of her feelings. No, the glasses are making me do a completely different person. <laughs> Oh no, this is how it works. When you get glasses on, you get fancier. Side note, I saw a meme the other day that says like the different options for how you push your glasses up. And each option, it told you like what it meant in terms of personality, like whether you push them up here or like this or like this or like this. And it's like, you know, you know, one way is sexy, another way is confidence, another way is like. So what's this way? If I do it with my middle finger up the middle, what's that? Because that's my one. I can't remember. It was the first one on the list, though. And I think it was probably the most common. It was like a standard, you know, I mean, business. This is- oh, I'm a basic bitch. <laughs> Whereas this was like a really sexy. <laughs> and I don't know why, but this is this is what I do. <laughs> Sometimes I'll maybe like push here. It depends. It varies. Anyway, sorry, your media. My media choice. Well, now that I've got my reading glasses on, let me tell you my media. <laughs> no, take them off. <laughs> <laughs> so one piece of queer media that I found really interesting, um, and it actually goes for not just uh, this this piece of media, but actually for several that are produced by the company, but it was Mass Effect, produced by BioWare. And obviously, BioWare has also produced other RPGs in a similar vein that allow the same choices, but it was the fact that I was allowed to have a same-sex relationship with my main character and actually choosing to romance somebody of the same gender, which felt mind-blowing to me as somebody that has played many RPGs and you're stuck with the love interest who is always going to be the opposite gender of you because we can only have two genders and they can only fall in love and you can't pick anything else, even though it's your role-playing fantasy game. Whatever. I feel I had a very similar experience but with a different game. It was probably around the same era. For me, it was Fable, the Fable series. And again, it was an RPG. And one of the things that Fable was particularly known for was um, it was built on choices and what choice you made determined what type of character you were. So you become more and more good or more and more evil. And one of those choices was who you romanced. And you could choose to romance someone of like the same gender or the opposite gender. Um, in fact, it was around that time uh, I was also quite astounded that I got to play a character that wasn't just a man. So it was still, you know, for a while that that was all the choice you got. So not only could you choose someone who wasn't a man, but you could choose your sexuality too. And that was like fairly mind blowing. <laughs> Absolutely crazy to think a little bit of inclusion in a role playing game took so long to actually happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, again, another piece of queer media that I... In that same vein of I can't believe it took so long was uh, that film that came out a few years ago in 2018, uh, Love, Simon, which was a queer rom-com film. But it was the first time a major Hollywood production studio had led with a gay character. And it took till 2018 for that to fucking happen. Yeah. It's it's quite shocking, actually, that it 
was so long before that happened, isn't it? When you think about it, there's still many firsts to happen in queer, in, well, just in media. Like having a trans main character is so few and far between. Yeah, we've got a long way to go still, don't we? <laughs> yeah, and I think part of that damage, at least on the American-centric side of things, comes down to the Hayes Code that was enacted from the 1930-something up until, I think, late 60s which basically had a whole list of things that you couldn't show in media. But it was clearly also targeted our our queer community in that, you know, lesbians had to either be evil, die, or repent and see the evil of their ways. You couldn't have happy endings for queer characters. You know, sexual content was very restricted and limited. It was just such a ridiculous tightening of the belt on certain things that really did harm the queer community and probably has led to this ridiculous length of time that we've had to wait for some of these representations to be done in our media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think really that's what was responsible for the beginning of queer coding in media, um, which we could probably do a whole separate episode about. But basically, it's when you've got characters that aren't openly queer, but they have stereotypical connotations that people would associate with queer people and there's so many things that I didn't pick up on as a child like in Disney films when you watch like The Lion King and you've got the bad guy Scar there's a lot of queer coding there when you watch Hercules another Disney film for kids bad guy a lot of queer coding he's sitting there sipping a cocktail with the pinky sticking out he was so stereotypically queer in the way that normal society would think and yet it went completely over my head. <laughs> but look at that. They kept making the bad characters the queer-coded ones. It was never the good characters. And they wonder why all the queers then started to gravitate towards these fabulous fucking villains. Give me a Maleficent any day of the week, a Cruella or a Jafar. Jafar was very queer-coded, despite the fact that he kidnapped a young woman. <laughs> Well, it was just to go with his beard, wasn't it? And don't forget Ursula, who was literally based on a drag queen. (laughs) Now, let's be careful here. We don't want to start insulting the makeup artist on the live-action Disney remake because they didn't really do the brows or the makeup that well. Are you serious? I've not seen it. Oh, there's pictures like Melissa McCarthy's eyebrows don't even match. It's just like, he's done a fucking bad job. Oh, that's a shame. I know. So many queer artists have just been like, you should have had a queer person do it. It, They would have done it proper. They would have, you know, it's based on divine. We would have done it justice. You've not even, yeah. And when I saw it, I was like, her face isn't even purple. So they didn't get a drag makeup artist to do the drag makeup. (laughs) No. We needed to give the straights a chance, apparently. Are they going to break that glass ceiling? Fucking hell. Well, I'll tell you what, they smashed that glass ceiling and all the shards have fallen down around us now. Oh my. Well, that's disappointing. So <laughs> you think of it, you know it's based on a drag queen. Why would you not just go full on in? Because Disney's already busy battling Ron DeSantis in Florida. They can't also fight everyone about a queer doing the artistry on the face. <sighs> Let's move away from Disney, shall we? Let's talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Because that, for me, was an awakening moment. Teenage years, and there we have a very cute Willow with her girlfriend. And I was like, oh, 
Ooh. <laughs> oh, this is an option. <laughs> I think it just uncovered something that was already like I kind of knew, but I hadn't really locked into it. And then I was like, there are so many of these characters that I find cute and it's it's not a gender thing. Like it's just if you're cute, you're cute. <laughs> the thing is, like Willow is an unsung, or maybe not unsung, but definitely an overlooked by representation trailblazer from that time because obviously previously had dated men and then had dated women. And so it was yeah, there isn't enough bi-representation either. So it's really nice to see that that was one of the trailblazers in mainstream TV back in the day. I think it was so, it was so nicely done as well because it didn't fall into the stereotypes that you often see for bi people. For example, being really promiscuous or, you know, they just can't decide. There was none of that. If Willow was a very kind, pure person of heart and that carried on throughout apart from the evil willow phase but that was because she was a pure kind person underneath <laughs> yes i think i think there is maybe a question of whether or not there was a baby your gaze trope that showed up at the end of season six well, but i suppose as terrible as it is that it happened it, it did serve the story quite well and made an interesting arc even if you really did want them to have a happy ending at the end of it all yeah but as a character she she was actually a very down-to-earth kind person. It, it didn't have the promiscuity that often gets attached to being bisexual. So, yeah, it was a really nice bit of representation and it mattered a lot to me and I think helped me understand myself better. Another piece of queer media that I'd probably mention would be the one that actually focused on intersectionality because we know that although some queer people might just have one characteristic that is seen as a minority some of us will face several different characteristics that overlap. And so there was a book that I read, Felix Ever After, that actually dealt with a queer, trans, black protagonist, which, again, is something so rarely presented in a lot of media, but is actually such a lifeline to people that are actually facing these intersectioning aspects of their character. Yeah, I feel we definitely need more representation like that. I saw something recently where someone was saying that being black and being queer felt almost impossible. And that's really heartbreaking that, I mean, they definitely need more visibility in society, better representation. They need to feel like there's a place for them and that we're all in this together. Um, But it's tough out there. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, as much as... We can say there's been progress in a lot of LGBTQ plus media now being put out there where it's becoming more prevalent. Again, this takes a more, you know, white male cis narrative where there is still a lot of space for our trans siblings, our intersex siblings, our asexual siblings, our BIPOC siblings. There's, there's still so much scope. There's so much work to be done and there are just so many more interesting stories that can be told rather than the same bland generic white cis heteronormative stories that we've been forced fed for god knows how long now Mm -hmm. i think even just from what we've been talking about today it's clear that we need to continue to push for more diverse and authentic representations of queer people in media including representation for people of color transgender people and non-binary people, as well as other underrepresented groups. 
Yes. And we definitely need to continue to support LGBTQ plus artists, writers and creators who are actually out there right now trailblazing by telling our stories in their unique ways and helping showcase our community. And if you would like to know more about different pieces of queer media and uh, would like to perhaps add to your list of things to watch, read and listen to, I believe there might be somewhere that you can go to find out more information. Perhaps Babushka would know something about it. Oh, you caught me, Alaska. I couldn't keep it secret forever, could I? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Uh, One of the other side projects that your lovely host Babushka does is the Big Queer Media Review podcast, which pretty much does what it says on the tin. Every fortnight, Babushka reviews a piece of media with a queer focus. So either a, again, the narrative focusing on part of the LGBTQ plus community, or it has been created by somebody of our community and really just showcasing various different things from films, podcasts, books, comics, you know, any type of media, it's on the list. And really just looking at whether or not it's good representation, how it feels narratively, and then just giving you my thoughts and feelings on would I recommend it to you. So obviously you don't have to listen to me when I tell you at the end whether or not you should go check it out. So yeah, that's my podcast. There'll be a link below. You can check it out. I can honestly say there's something really calming and soothing about listening to it as well. It's a really enjoyable listen. Um, I love having it on in the background when I'm doing other things. So not that I'm biased or anything, but I highly recommend it. (laughs) And so with that being said, I think that that is it for our video today on why LGBTQ plus representation in media matters. There's plenty more that we could talk about. There might be future episodes on this subject. We shall see. But we hope in the meantime that you have learned something new and that you'll continue to support queer representation in media in all of its forms. Exactly. And just before we completely finish... I will give away that for anyone that hasn't yet got it, my makeup today has been inspired by Superman. And that is because the current Superman, or Superman's son, is actually bi and good representation. So there you go. Had to fit it in somehow. I love it. I have to be honest, I always thought that like Batman and Robin had a bit of a thing. (laughs) Well, yes. (laughs) I mean, I think that's a lot of the speculation when they share a bed. But DC has actually put out that a a leading Superman is bi, has a happy relationship. And so I am here to support that so that they continue to give us some queer superheroes. Fabulous. Anyway, I think we also need to let the people know... What's coming up next month for when they choose to join us once more on our utterly nonsensical show? So for next month's episode, we are going to be revisiting one of the most hilarious reddits that we have found, which is, are the cisheads okay? We're going to be looking to see just how awkward heteronormative culture really is. (laughs) So join us next time for lots of laughs and memes. (laughs) It went so well last time, it can only get better. Things can only get better. (laughs) So if you've enjoyed everything that you've experienced today, please do check us out on our socials, as they'll be linked below, or check the links on the website. Uh, All our socials are also mentioned there, so find us however you can, really. I think that's it, isn't it? 
I think that's us. I think we've done. You go, you go. I think we've done the thing. I think we've done the thing. (laughs) Oh, we've done the thing. We've done the thing. We've done the thing. Done the thing. Done the thing. We've done the thing. We've done the thing. We've done the thing. And we're done. Yay. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Utter Nonsense. We do hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed making it. If you did enjoy, please do subscribe as new episodes are released at the start of every month. And if you have the time and are so inclined, please do like and leave us a review on whatever platform that you are listening to this podcast on, as it really does help us reach new members out there. We do also have a Patreon that is now available, where if you subscribe to that, you can get behind-the-scenes bonus content and extra clips, all the extra nonsense that you could ever want. And if you can't wait until the next episode, we do recommend that you check out both of Sister Alaska and Sister Babushka's social medias and see what they're getting up to in between filming episodes of this utter nonsense. And just a reminder, any views and opinions expressed by anyone on this show today are completely their own and are not made on behalf of anyone else or any other organisation and everything is meant in good faith and humour. So, hope you have a lovely rest of the day and thank you for listening and we'll catch you in the next episode of Utter Nonsense.